Hello there and welcome to episode 14 of Nothing Else Matters, a music podcast that is setting out to try and establish what we think are the 100 greatest albums ever made. Um, to do that, we are using the current Rolling Stone 100 Greatest Albums list and from there we are selecting the ones we like, the ones we vote out, we will start to fill some gaps in with those somewhere down the line. Um, I think we've done about 65 so far and about 62% have been voted yes. So we're, we're sort of rattling through them. Uh, so we've got another five to review tonight. And before we do that, we'll do some introductions. So we have uh, with us tonight, George. Good evening, George. How are we doing? Not bad, mate. Good man to see you. And we have Lisa. Hi, Lisa. Hi. Long time Hello. no see. I know. Good to have you back. Thank you. We also have a guest tonight. You know, we'll offer some guests on. Um, so our guest tonight is, um, is Jack Fagan. And Jack is a singer, songwriter, musician who we love very much, who's um, been releasing some music under the Solo Project Goliath recently and some cracking stuff in there. And I think George actually had the pleasure of seeing him live recently as yeah, well. Yeah, saw his debut live and it was phenomenal. I'm Do so go and see this lad. So sorry few, I missed it. A few wee mistakes, unfortunately. No, no, no. No, 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 no mistakes. It was not, perfect. Not it. Very, very good. Enjoyed it, loved it. Fingers crossed we'll get here. to one one day. Jack, thanks very much, mate. And delighted you're here and uh, look forward to getting your input. I'm sure we'll have some fun with it. Okay, without further ado, let's um, crack on. So the first one on the list tonight uh, is number 35 from the Rolling Stone list, which is the Beatles' Rubber Soul. Um, first time we've had the Beatles on the list so far. So the Rolling Stone comments were, producer George Martin described Rubber Soul as, quote, the first album to present a new growing Beatles to the world. And so it was. The first of what was to be a series of huge leaps forward with each album, Rubber Soul opens with the comic character study Drive My Car and is suffused with Bob Dylan's influence on I'm Looking Through You, You Won't See Me and Norwegian Wood, in which John Lennon sings about sex with a humour and candour unlike any rock and roller before, and George Harrison lays down rocks for sitar solo. Harrison called Rubber Soul, quote, the best one we made because we were suddenly hearing sounds that we weren't able to hear before. So that's the summary from Rolling Stone of Rubber Soul. It was released on the 3rd of December, 1965. And George is going to take us away on this one. All yours, mate. Okay. Obviously, I've mentioned once or twice that I might be a bit, a bit of a Beatles fan. Um, and I, I find this is where the Beatles started moving from being a, an excellent pop band into something quite, quite sublime. Uh it must have come out about six months or so after the Help soundtrack. So to have those two monumental records in such a short period of time still blows my mind. Uh, but I think this is where the Beatles started going stratospheric. Uh, no no Sergeant Pepper. This is the moment where the sounds and the, the, the lyrical content, sonic bravery invention really started to kick in uh you know nine months after they did this they did revolver uh yeah. so within within a a period of how many you know like a year and a bit they'd help rubber salt and revolver it's quite remarkable go through some of the songs uh, norwegian woods get one of the greatest stories ever commit to to record that's Brilliant. Uh, there's so much uh, snark and archness on this, particularly for Lennon and mm. George Harrison. Uh, 
the, the think for yourself, you know, the fuzz box borrowed for the stones for think for yourself. Um, the um, If I needed someone on this as well, it's, there's so much on this album that captured the zeitgeist and influenced almost everything that came after it, including themselves. Uh, there's, you know, uh, Girl, phenomenal song, really brilliant tune. Uh, but they, they sort of mock their own importance at times in this. You know, the word is like this, you know, I, I really like the word because it's mm-hmm. Lennon sort of putting himself up as a messiah right before he does this we're bigger than Jesus thing. This is the moment he does it. And I think he's mocking himself. Um, the weakest track on it for me is uh, what uh, what goes on. Um, it's utter... With, with Ringo? Oh, it's fucking dogma, man. Honestly, it's, <laughs> it's, it's such a... Uh, it sticks out terribly. It's like a blue plaster and a a beautiful naked model. It's like, yeah. no, get this. Fuck, seriously. The thing is, you've got that right beside songs like um, uh, Michelle, mm. you know, oh. In My Life. Michelle you know, is the, like one of the best songs on that album, in my opinion. It, it's it's phenomenal. Those tracks, the backing vocals on those tracks, I'm like, I could I could listen to the isolated backing vocals of those, of, of those songs, of all the songs on this album, on their own, and I'd be absolutely happy, except for what goes on. So take what goes on and maybe run for your life out, and it's, for me, probably top three Beatles album. It's that good. Okay, it's interesting. So it's the first one we've had on the list. I think it was a sixth studio album, the first one we've had to review, and I think there's probably another four to come on the list. So obviously they get their, they get their money's worth with them. Yeah. Okay, so you're right, George. Big change, um, soundtrack, album, <coughs> sort of proper album as well. You know, it's kind of got kind of a bit of a feeling, a mood and stuff to it, hasn't it? Which was different to, to just having yeah. a sort of group of songs put together. Yeah. Very, very Lennon-centric, I think, as well, most of the album. Well, the, 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 even things like Drive My Car, the album opens up with Drive My Car. But up to this point, you'd never heard a song like Drive My Car on it. You know, maybe something for the kinks. Possibly, but yeah. this was so out there. The feel of it is not not like anything you'd heard prior to this. No, I agree with that entirely. Okay, we'll, we'll touch on some other stuff there. Bless you, Jack. Lisa, um, tell us about Rubber Soul. Rubber Soul. For me, um, it's, I think for me it was maybe, I don't remember it growing up and we always had the Beatles on and I really don't remember it. And I think it was possibly overshadowed by Sergeant Pepper um, and has been for a lot of people for a long time. We bought it in vinyl quite recently um, and been listening to it a lot more. Um, I think it's a great album. I, I think the, the tunes are fantastic. As George said, they've, they've kind of changed in their style. They've gone from the kind of holding my hand to the more... Um, songs about sex mm. rather than the sort of teeny bop type stuff. Um, Having affairs I, I and setting fire to bathrooms. Is that, sorry? <laughs> Having affairs and setting fire to bathrooms. Yeah, kind of well, stuff. they're kind of gr- grown up. They've had a wee bit more experience than when they first started out in their, you know, their 
good wee haircuts and their suits and all the rest of it. So yeah, there's a bit more experience shown here and a bit more um, creativity, I think. And um, yeah, I, I do, I, I do like it. It's not my favourite Beatles album, but that's quite okay. a hard choice to make anyway. Um, because what can you say about the Beatles? They're absolutely marvellous. You know, I'm a big Beatle fan. This isn't my favourite, but I'm not sure about top 100. Okay. But should, should the Beatles always be in the top 100? Maybe every single album they do should be. Not, yes. unless, we, not unless we vote it out. Not at all. Unless we vote it out. Maybe Jack might have something to say about this. I'm sure he will. So I'm, had... I'm looking forward to seeing what Jack's got to say about this. So we had, um, as George says, we had some some stuff early in the year, and I think 64 and 65 is a big change for them. They they did a sort of America the first time, really. Did the whole Dylan meet-up, played these big um, Shea Stadiums and stuff like that. So, that you know, they were maturing at a rate of knots, and this was the first time they'd actually sort of time off the road to make an album. They usually sort of used to record it in between touring and stuff like that, which you can sort of feel as if they've had a bit more time um, to, to kind of get their head around it. And before we bring Jack in, the thing that I had didn't quite realise, which I guess I should have done, was that when they released the day they released the album, they also released um, "Day Tripper" and "We Can Work It Out." There's a double A single, but not which on, the album. on the album. They did that. They did that a lot actually. That they could have they could have taken two of those songs off and put uh, "Day Tripper" and "We Can Work It Out" on this album, and it would have been absolute top three album of all time. Apart Maybe they should have done that. Apart from Ringo's, obviously. Had you listened to me? Apart from Ringo's. Um, Jack, tell me about Rubber Soul, mate. What do you think? So, I think Rubber Soul is a very good album. And I I definitely appreciate the direction that it pushed the Beatles in. Because, you know, right right afterwards we get Revolver, which is this gorgeous, mature piece of work with excellent writing on all parts and production from George Martin that's totally revolutionary. And I appreciate that this is the between album for that, for that direction, the, the maturing of, of the band. Mm-hmm. But there's like it, about two or three songs on this album that I would say I don't love. And I think that in itself is enough for me to not put it in the top 100 because there's Beatles albums that deserve that spot more. Like Revolver, okay. actually. Okay. And and the, the songs that you do love, they, they're not good enough to... To offset that, I don't think there's not been many sort of perfect albums we've reviewed so far. I think even the best ones have had the odd one that we've been, you know, a bit of a filler type thing. So, are the ones that are very good not good enough to balance the maybe two or three that you're not so keen on? Well, Mich- Michelle is like one of my favorite Beatles tracks. I don't, mm-hmm. I, I think it, it might be particularly the rundown that's happening while he's playing the guitar, the, the way it moves and flows with the track, but. Even even the love for that track is not enough to justify it beating out other Beatles albums that deserve the spot more. So we do get four more Beatles albums. So I'm not sure. I know you've mentioned Revolver, but we get um, we get Peppers. I think we get White Album and uh, Abbey Road. I think. Aye. <coughs> so you know all the all the big hitters. I think are there, but I don't know. Maybe is it any of the earlier stuff that you would you would sort of suggest might merit um, inclusion? I don't believe so, no. No. I think a lot of the lyrical, melodic and syllabic um, developments that came through as they developed as a band uh, really pushed them, and some of the earlier stuff is maybe lacking that. Okay, perfect. All right, um, can imagine huge, eight weeks number one. Um, 
read up on it that the, the day they launched the album, they were playing the old Glasgow Odeon no. um, Hall. Yeah, really? um, I know. What's the chances? Oh, oh. I know, mate. Uh, I was born in '65, so I could have, I could have snuck along. I think at six months old or whatever, and um, got to see it. So you, you know, huge. Um, and and everything they'd done at this point was huge, both UK and America. But the interesting thing was they appeared to kind of take their audience with them because obviously they were maturing at eight of knots. Um, but they stopped being a sort of singles pop band and obviously became more of a kind of albums band. And as you say, Josh probably set them and Dylan maybe set the tone for albums coming through at this time rather than, you know, just song albums with great songs on it, if, if that makes sense. Mentioned it was uh, Harrison's debut, a favourite album. Um, Elvis Costello's got a brilliant quote. Says something, you know, I think he was, says he was 10 or 11 that came out and uh, he says he, he heard the album and broke his heart. Thought it was the worst thing he'd ever heard. <laughs> Until about six weeks later and then he couldn't, he couldn't stop playing it. Yeah. You know, he, he changed his life. Couldn't believe these guys were as, as clever as they are. And the only other thing I picked up was that um, Nowhere Man was the think the first song that they wrote that wasn't a, any sort of boy girl relationship it was you know everything else had yeah. some affiliation to something to do with romance or relationships and nowhere man didn't it was a kind of third party well, it's, it's, it's another one it's an extension of john lennon's uh, help you know you know he was the cry cry for help he just didn't know what was going on in his life he was struggling to comprehend the level of fame that he was, you know, dropped into. And uh, I think that was an extension of that. And it's, it's such a great song. That, that, that the first refrain just gets me every, you know, that uh, you don't know what you're, nowhere, man, please listen. You don't know what you're missing. I hear that and I just melt. It's one of the, the absolute, you know, perfect moments in recorded history. Yeah. It's a great, document for me of four guys who were who just you know they're, they're not far off Jack's age and they were the most no. famous people on the planet uh, and it happened so quickly everything, we, we go back to this with the, the, the Beatles again and everything you know that's recorded from the Beatles, from the four Beatles was recorded within a six and a half year period, everything it's madness it's nuts and yeah. it changed the world. There's, there's no getting away from the fact that it, it changed not just music, but culture, uh, life, how people dressed, how people spoke to authority. It, it was, you know, the, the Beatles as a band are, you know, the most groundbreaking collection of uh, artists that, you know, at least the 20th century ever knew. Yeah, we wouldn't disagree with a lot of that. And it, it's the beginning of that classic run. I think we talked one of the previous episodes about Stevie Wonder, who we'll come on to later. Yeah. And he had this sort of classic 70s run of records. And the mm -hmm. Beatles from here on their studio records, pretty much yeah. to see Abbey Road, I would say, you know, kind of hit that sweet spot as well, didn't it? Constant. Yeah. It was just every every album for me was was of a level that you were like, okay, if you get a bad song on it, like what goes on, I'll go back to what goes on again. If you get <laughs> if you get if you get a a, a dog a wee steaming dog turd, it, it really stands out. If yeah. the album wasn't as good then you probably 
you would have just like, oh, yeah, okay, it's another song. But because the album itself, in my opinion, is so good, those stand. It's like the Ziggy Stardust one. Uh, what was the one last week? Ziggy Stardust. Yeah. We were talking about. There's one song that just oh, get that out of there. It just doesn't fit. It was um, it, it, it yeah. easy. It was it a cover. Easy. Yeah, get it. Yeah. easy. And it's almost a perfect album. Yeah, we so. had um, Robert Christie said uh, from the Village Voice. It's twice as good as anything else they or anyone else had done at that point, with the exception point. of the Stones, maybe. Um, and that probably does stand the test of time. The other thing I picked up was that because it was released late in '65, it was it wasn't the best-selling album of the year. It was the third best-selling album of the year. What was um, it being out sound, by? Sound of Music. Sound of Music. <laughs> Absolutely, Sound of Music. <laughs> uh, in, in, um, in the UK and the US, by the way. Um, but it was also Sound of Music beat it and Beatles for Sale beat it because that was also 65, was, George. That, early on. Or late 64, sorry. Late 64, yeah. yeah. It sold through 65. But it was yeah. third best album in 65, but actually it was third best album in 66 as well. There you go. Um, Kept selling. So it had uh, Rubber Soul, it had Revolver beat it and the sound of music again <laughs> so really Still. absolutely yeah so get on money that, that better not be in the top 100 they'll be very good. <laughs> it's a soundtrack we've I've not, I've not done soundtracks have we so I've, if that happens up then goodbye farewell if we do <laughs> <laughs> okay let's have we vote on it um so a couple of the guys that a couple of our guests come in with votes we had uh and we've got john obviously mr welsh's votes were interesting so john's a yes for um, for the Beatles, uh, I think I think everyone was at this. Chris was a yes, David Ross was a yes, and Graham was a yes as well. And so was Martin for that matter. David said, um, the creative difference between Rubber Soul and Beatles for Sale, uh, exactly a year in release dates, is astonishing. Down to them experimenting and listening to Dylan, etc. This is the sound of genius being born, which I think is kind of pretty much on the money. So, um, so I've got a few yeses kicking about there. So George, we started with you, mate. What's your um, what's your take on that? Hundred percent yes in. It's a hundred percent Um Lisa. I'm going yes. You're going less, you'll be wavering there. You're you're in now. As I said, I I just can't see myself not voting the Beatles. <laughs> yeah. I'm glad we don't have an Alma Ringo covers to, to review or something. <laughs> more difficult. Um Jack, what's your thoughts, mate? That would be a no. That's a no from you. So it's a qualified no. <laughs> so Beatles fan, but they've done they did better, I think, with your your take, yeah. yeah. Cool. That's it, Jack. I'm never playing your music on the radio again. <laughs> oh, that's not fair. That's not fair. I said I like the album. I said uh-huh. I appreciate what it did for the, what it did for them. He can't do that. Yeah, Don't that, listen to him, Jack. Don't he's, he's the old curmudgeon. He's the one that gets grumpy. Um, okay, and I was a yes as well. Uh, I, I do think they've maybe got a better album out there, but I, I think it's a great album, particularly the Lennon stuff. Um, my last take on that is that I didn't quite realise when he wrote In My Life, he was, I think he was 24 when they wrote it. Yeah. You know, it feels like something you write at Johnny Cash yeah. age or something like that, doesn't it? Um, yeah. It's amazing. Um, I picked up one other thing, which was they, um, they toured, obviously, in 66, which was their last tour. But there's a little um, video clip on YouTube of the first date of that tour, which is at live at the Circus Krone, or Krone in Germany, um, which was the first date they played. And it's interesting because they played five or six songs on it, 
but it's like a kind of career review almost. It kind of starts off with uh, rock and roll music, and okay. then it sort of rattles through. I feel fine, Baby in Black, Day Trapper, Nowhere Man, Yesterday, um, and go, I, I'm down. You know, so it kind of you can almost see that arc as they're yeah as they're doing it. And I think they do them all in about fifteen minutes or something. So yes, battled through it. Yeah. Oh, mental. Cool. Okay. Well, we're in. We're in there. Um, so Beatles to start. Uh, so we're jumping around slightly. We're going to do number thirty-two on the <laughs> list. So just let me get my notes up. So thirty-two is um, Beyonce with Lemonade. So our summary of Beyonce from Rolling Stone is: uh, Nine times out of ten, I'm in my feelings. Beyonce announced on her Heartbreak masterpiece, Lemonade. She dropped the album on a Saturday night surprise, knocking the world sideways. Her most expansive and personal statement tapping into marital breakdown and the state of the nation. It was a different side than she's shown before, raging over infidelity and jealousy, but reveling in the militant feminist funk strut of formation. All over Lemonade, she explores the betrayals of American blackness, claiming her place in all of America's music traditions. She goes out of the country on daddy's lessons. She digs blues metal with Jack White on Don't Hurt Yourself. She revamps the yay yeah, yeah, on Hold Up. Ashes to Ashes, Dust to Side Chicks, All Hail the Queen. So that's Rolling Stone's take on it. It was released on a wonderful date, the 23rd of April. That was to be my birthday, 2016. Um, and this is the second Beyonce album that we've reviewed. So we will get Jack to take us on this one. Tell us about Lemonade, mate. All right, okay. So I, I was quite surprised because I've not listened to much Beyonce, actually. I was quite surprised when I listened to this album to the sheer quality that's shown throughout in terms of writing, in terms of production, uh, and the emotional content within as well. So it's um it's also got a, a video series that uh, mm-hmm. that goes alongside it, and it basically outlines this show of um developing emotions, denial of her husband's infidelity, and you know finding out the truth. And as you go through the album, each track accompanies a certain emotion, which is quite a quite a genius way to put out an album. Uh, I've never seen something quite like it, but. Uh, and yeah, it has some of the best writers in pop music on it. it mm-hmm. I, I don't know if you know the number of people that worked on it. Do, do any of you know? It's got to be the hundreds. It's, <laughs> Quite a it's, few. It's it's seventy two people. Seventy two. I know, and I I know quite a lot of that is interpolation. Um, but it did also have a lot of writers that uh, I'm very fond of. One of the interpolations used is um. Noah Lennox, if you know who Noah Lennox is. No. That, that would be Panda Bear's real name. All right. Do, do you know Panda Bear? Yeah. Oh, Panda Bear. Yeah. Hi. Yeah. No, I don't. Sorry, mate. I didn't talk. <laughs> I, I don't know what people know. Um, you inform us who Panda do. Bear is. <laughs> of Animal Collective. Here. Animal I'm Collective. sure, mate. I accept that. I... Animal Collective, I think, is it? Yeah, it, it, yeah, Panda Bear is one of the leading members of Animal Collective. Right. Okay, so anyway, yeah, we've got Jack White informing some of the the kind of. I know Jack White, right? And don't hurt do. yourself. <laughs> no, no. no. <laughs> um, we've got Father John Misty of Fleet Foxes fame, who mm-hmm. uh, famously co-writes with, if I remember correctly, it's Lana Del Rey. Mm-hmm. He's a common co-writer alongside her. So there's just a lot of really great musicians informing the direction of this album. And of course, uh, in interviews, uh, Jack White actually attests that she directs everyone. Uh, you know, if someone comes up with a part, she knows exactly where to place it and no parts are wasted. The moment she hears it, she knows what to do with it, which is, 
I mean, if Jack White says it, I'll believe it. He's, he's a freaking sensational musician. So, uh, Hold Up, as you said earlier, uh, samples the Yeah, Yeah, Yeahs, and it has this beautiful, ethereal intro backing vocal that slowly develops into a kind of woeful song about kind of rage and denial of the um, the infidelity of, what, mm-hmm. what's his name, Jay-Z? Jay-Z. Jay-Z. <laughs> <laughs> that's a running joke that one uh, yeah have, have you done any Jay-Z songs on yes we have we voted Jay-Z in did you oh, oh. we did I didn't um, Moisty George I don't think I did either <laughs> <laughs> so you have to join the podcast guys you see we've got uh, Kendrick Lamar on Freedom yeah. which yeah. is it's great yeah. it's a great song yeah. Forward is a great example of um, moving on from the infidelity. It's it's all about how she's had to accept it and rebuild it, and it's accompanied by uh, in the video. Do you know um, the Japanese bowls that they put together with with gold? Yeah, yeah. It's yeah. accompanied with that imagery, which I think is a, is a really nice okay. piece of imagery uh, yeah, to go works, alongside yeah. it. Um, you sound as if you're a bit of a fan here, Jack. I, I I'm loving this album. I, I can't deny it. Also, it, also, it shows the um, the song "Daddy Lessons" is all about how her father raised her to be tough and independent, but in doing so, directed her towards men like him. Oh yeah, which ended up, in this case, very clearly hurting her. And uh, only a few years prior to the release of this album, actually, her father cheated on um, her mother, and they divorced. So it, this album. Uh, that song in particular goes back on it and it, she has to kind of reconcile the issues with her father mm. during the process of reconciling her marriage. Perfect. Perfect. There's a lot in there, isn't there? But I think we, a lot to analyze. We we reviewed um the previous uh, Beyonce Beyonce album and we kicked it about a bit. I think there was a, a few in a few in, but we voted it out. Um mm. and the chat was that we knew there was another one coming, so we we're hoping that when we got a chance to do that one, it would hopefully that would be worth listening to again. So it sounds as if you enjoyed it, mate, which is great. Um, brilliant news, thank you. Um, Lisa, I, I'm, I'm guessing here, but I'm I guessing you're a Beyonce fan. Right, well... No? I was guessing. I've not really been no? much of a Beyonce fan. I, maybe I've just not listened enough. Um, maybe just grouped her in with a whole type of singers before that I've not really paid much attention to. But I have to say that I absolutely loved this album. I was really, really impressed by it. What a powerhouse of really strong songs. Um, and what a powerful character she is and, and herself. And a bit like Amy, you know, her, her songs mm. are written about, you know, personal experience. Um, but she does it in a very different way, you know, because um, she's just so much more confident in herself you know you don't you don't mess with queen bee but there's that vulnerability there as well you know um the song sorry she says um you know it's so sort of emotive you know suicide before you see this tear uh, fall down from my eyes you know yeah. and and it's like, like whoa it's quite a statement you know that's her just letting them know and then at the end of that she, she says you know what are you doing, my love? You know, there's this questioning there. Um, and then I really liked um, 
Play You Catch Me. That's another one where you can, she's bearing her soul, you know, when she says, um, I thought that was a great line. She says, you can taste the dishonesty. It's all over your breath. You know, what yeah. a fantastic lyric, <sighs> you know. Um, I really like the songs that she did with Jack White. Um, I think that took her out of her comfort zone, you know, but obviously they've worked with, together on it, but it just created a really different sound for her. Um, and also with Kendrick Lamar, I, 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 I really like those songs on it. Um, yep. I, well, I thought it was a, a, a brilliant information, freedom, tour de force of songs. Yeah, yeah I'd, I'd agree with all that. And the, the video for, Sorry, for me is quite, um, it's quite something actually. And, you know, and she says, um, you know, she's talking about her race and, and her pride. And she says, you know, I like my Negro nose and my Jackson 5 nostrils. And then, of course, you get at the end quite a powerful image of the little boy dancing in front of the row of riot police. Mm -hmm. You know, and, and the, the graffiti comes up, stop mm -hmm. shooting us. So there's a lot of things going on in this album. Yeah, and she quotes, I mean, she's got, there's a lot of personal stuff, but, you know, she quotes Malcolm X in, in, in one of the songs as well. There's a big, heavy undercurrent sort of social, political yeah, stuff yeah. in there. She This was the year that she guested on the, at the Super Bowl halftime show and did a kind of Black Panther um, styled um, song sing-along um, with Coldplay and various other people, but everything about her was all about sort of making this statement at the time and um, it certainly comes across in the record. Some of the songs are, are amazing on it. George, Beyonce Eliminate. Yeah, we 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 had a Beyonce album on, as you said, early on in the in the, the hundred. And it was all right. It was it was fine. I think David Ross was on that night and we were talking about Beyonce's um maybe more of a a, a live event, you know, the, the Beyonce That's experience right. is probably best served live. Um so I, I went into this and I only listened to it today, actually. I'd never heard the album before. Um, and I, I can take a leap beyond said, I, I, I mean, great respect for the last three. I think she's uh, a very talented, you know, pop performer and uh, musician. Uh, she has a, a bit of a force of nature. But, you know, uh, as a singer, she's not a virtuoso. Um as a songwriter, I always I felt that you know maybe she was uh, too much the 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 tool of a, a producer or a section a collection of producers. I've seriously underestimated this girl after listening to that day. I absolutely I was blown away with this album. It was nothing that I expected. Um, every song had something that made me go, what the hell is that? Um, the, the variety, the, the, the depth um, of the lyrics, it, it caught me. There's a few times I was like, I'm, I'm, I'm in the car driving and I'm listening to it. I'm thinking, holy yeah. crap, this is... I need to properly... I need to give this the respect that it deserves. I need to really go back to this and listen to this. So I'm only commenting on this from one listen and it is absolutely in 49 minutes it's completely changed me from being uh, somebody who 
doesn't mind Beyonce to someone who's like, I need, I need to find out more about this because this ticked so many boxes for no, me. No, that's uh, exactly how I feel. And don't you think that yeah. our vocals in this are incredible? It, it, and and sometimes her voice is soaring and other times it's vulnerable. But what it's, I like about it is that she's she's not showy. It's not showy. She's not mm. doing it like Whitney Houston used to do it. And, you know, it's like, look how good or Mariah Carey, for instance, like similar mm. big super yeah. acts. You know, they, they, they're they showing you how good, they're like, hang on a second, watch me. I'm going to show you how good I am. She's not doing this. She's letting the song yeah. tell the story. And it, it really, it caught me on a number Powerful. of occasions during that hour I listened to it. Uh, there was so much in it, you know. I, I could hear things. I know Jack's hearing uh, things from, you know, was it the Animal Collective, which I, I, I put my hands up. I don't know, but I was hearing things like um, there, there was like '60s records in there, mm-hmm. and yep. there was um, uh, Led Zeppelin, and mm-hmm. there was obviously Jack White. But the, the stuff she did with uh, Kendrick Lamar and The Weeknd, uh, she did stuff with uh, one of the guys for. Um, Second song, yeah, the second song's got all the 60s kind of vibe to it, hold up. Yeah, it had uh, Ezra Koenig, who was uh, from the Vampire Weekend. Ah, so, uh, yeah, I yeah. saw that as well. I mean, the music he makes is awesome, and yeah, the, so, the track shows that honestly. Is, was is that the one where they can't get used to using your sample in it as well? I think, yeah, yeah that's yeah, the one yeah. that's hold up, yeah, 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 so, so I, clever. Yeah. It really was, and I was like, where are they taking this? But Every time she opened her mouth, there was something inventive. So if it wasn't just inventive, it was, um, it, it carried more resonance. So then I ended up reading about it because I didn't know about Jai Z. I'm going to call him Jai Z because I have little respect for him now yeah. because of what he did to her. That is fucking appalling, man. Yeah. Was... Uh, you know, so she has went up levels for me today finding out more about this album. Um, so it, it really resonated on a number of levels and it's it's such a good album. I, I feel ashamed to say that I didn't know it before and I'm going to rectify that in future. I'm going to go and look at the videos as well because they sound phenomenal. The, um, the first track, Hold Up, is a video of her uh, reciting poetry while drowning in, in a room. And it begins like the the song actually begins with the the doors opening and the water going out because as yeah. she's drowning she's denying that he's done anything and she's blaming herself and then she opens the door and accepts that it's his fault not hers. Yeah, it's it's a gorgeous piece powerful. of music and it's also got a great piece of imagery to go along with it. It's it's a and stunning I, experience. I, I will definitely go back to this album, but I'll go back to it with the videos as well because that'll probably enlighten me more. But I have to say I was absolutely taken aback by how good this was. Yeah, uh, me too, George. I'm not going to add much to that. I can believe um, it was 49 minutes, I think, and it absolutely flew by when I listened to it. And loved all the songs that he's referred to there. Yep. Um, I think there's a song called Sandcastles that I actually had to stop and listen to. Yeah. I can believe how that was kind of so light, if you want, or so, yep. so honest. Um, the whole thing was great. Absolutely loved it. Felt a bit guilty that, you know, you do tar some people with a brush, I guess. And uh, I was definitely wrong. Albeit I've liked her, but not, not to this. No, time. likewise. It was, I felt similarly what David Ross was saying about. You know, I can imagine going to a Beyonce concert and really enjoying the, the spectacle of it. 
But this has made me go, have a listen to her. Don't underestimate her. Yep, agreed. Uh, and she's, she's huge, so I won't go through all the things that she's um, she's achieved. But uh, the one thing I did think was interesting was in America, she's the only artist ever to have her first six albums go in at number one to, to Billboard, which... Um, you, you know, you, you have to shift a lot of art records pretty quickly yeah, yeah, to do that. Absolutely. And, um, you know, more power to her for doing all that as well. You mentioned her singing. Uh, Rolling Stone said that she's the eighth greatest singer ever. Mm. Uh, okay, so... No, um, no. Where, two, do they, where do they three, place Amy? Three, two, one. You want to have a go at any? Three, two, one from the Rolling Stones. Gerald. She's not in the three, you know, but she is but, in there, but she's not but top three. Aretha. Nina Simone. Aretha's number one, yeah. Nina? Aretha is always number one, always. No. Nope. Any, uh, any of the Andrew sisters? <laughs> <laughs> well, they're, they're good singers. They are good, they are good singers. Great singers, yeah, but they're not. Two was, um, two was Whitney and three was no. Sam Cooke. Where's, is Amy oh, Winehouse even in there? Sam Cooke's uh, top, uh, top 20, I think, Amy. Not. Oh, not. that's, that's, hmm. Well, we can rectify that in a minute, mate. Okay, so, um, I mean, no, no great surprise based on previous charts that, you know, the Beatles were, Twitter was, was sort of big fans of the Beatles and certainly weren't fans of this record. And back to what you said, George, about you genuinely have got to listen to some of these records before you can take a view on them, not... Yeah, and, and I'm, that's you know. one of the things that, that, that I've enjoyed most about Nothing Else Mattress is it's forced me to listen to things yeah. that I, I necessarily wouldn't have went to. And yeah. I've I've gained from it. It's all it's obviously made me think I'll never listen to an, a Metallica record again, <laughs> but I will listen to uh, more Beyonce. Yeah, but they and gave us the name of our podcast. We have they to did. give them that. They did. That's it, though. That Beyond is... that, that's it. Okay, so we had um, David liked it but didn't vote it in. Chris was fine about it. Didn't think it was a. Um, a top hundred. Graham didn't know it. Martin didn't know it. Um, um, John love, loves it, so John's in Good. with it. So Good. we'll come round the houses on us. Uh, so we started the Jack. Jack. Um. Oh yeah. Easily. Like that's that's a nine out of ten album. I'm taking that, man. Nine out of ten. That's. A, yeah. I think it's a nine out of ten. I'll I take think it. Out. It remains up there. Good. Lisa. Oh, a definite yes for me. George. I would say it's about a nine point three. Oh, okay, a bit more generous. I'm just, uh, yeah, I'm I'm in that kind of mood at the moment, mate. It's a very good. <laughs> it is a very good album. I, I don't blame you. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, and I, I'm absolutely in, and I'm a wee bit surprised that I'm so convinced that it's a, a hundred album, but I, I genuinely am. I think it's great. So yeah. cool. We're in with two there. Can we can we get a magic full house tonight, guys? Let's uh, never had one. Let's see how we do. Okay, so we're going to go to number thirty three now, which is Amy Winehouse, Back to Black. Oh. Okay, Rolling Stones. Um, with her love of 60s girl group pop and her dark beehive, Amy Winehouse came across as a star from another time. But as a child of the 90s, she openly loved hip-hop and wrote openly about her splattered relationships and issues with drugs and alcohol. Her breakthrough second album marked the arrival of a resplendently damaged 21st century torch singer. Tracks like The Mildly Pushy, You Know I'm No Good, and The Sumptuous, Love is a Losing Game, a loving game, sorry. I uh, had an elegant, beguiling smudginess that avoided the wax museum quality of so much retro soul. My odds are stacked. Winehouse sings, I go back to black. Indeed, the pain and tumult in her voice was very real. Before her death in 2011, she left behind a tragically unfulfilled promise. So that was the Rolling Stone. Uh, back to Black was released 27th October 2006. Lisa. 
Oh, Amy. Oh, Amy. Oh, Amy. Do you know the sad, the, uh, not the, the, the sad thing, but one of the saddest things I think is that people remember her for is just being the tabloid press, their absolute obsession with her and splashing her all over the front pages, you know, every time she got something wrong. And I think we need to try and avoid looking at it from that point of view, although I, I do know that the, obviously the songs are, are from... Mm-hmm. Written from her personal demons, her relationships, the turmoil, the loss, the addiction. Um, but the, I think this is quite an incredible album. And as you said, she loved the, I mean, she came from a jazz background, but she, she loved all the kind of 60s, like Shirelles, mm-hmm. Renette's kind of music. And you can really hear that in in her music. Um, she's managed to put that together so well with like Mark Ronson. Um, but I think what's in, what's interesting about this album are the contrasts. So you've got this wonderful music um, and production, yet you've got Amy with this incredible sort of contralto um, voice that's like nothing you've ever heard, really. I mean, and I think it's because you don't expect to hear what you're hearing. She's a, The lyrics are crushingly honest. You know, when she talks about her infidelity, um, her addiction, she, she, she's an incredibly flawed character and very vulnerable, but, but she knows it. And I, I just find that her, her, her lyrics are just, just so, I don't know, it's hard to say. It, 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 I think it's quite emotional, you know, that, that at such a young age, she was so smart that, that, that she even had a bit of that, that sort of self-deprecating humour. Um, I'm kind of rambling on a bit here. So, I mean, Rehab, she, she, she just comes in totally defiant and, you know, it's like, okay, I've got a problem, but, but she knows her own her own weakness is that she 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 doesn't want to go to rehab because you know she might miss out. She's got FOMO. You know she 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 might mm. not see your man, um, and and she she she's quite kind of like well I admit it admit it you know I probably should but I'm not gonna, um, and it's not just pride she says it's just until these tears have dried you know it's like a crutch until she can um deal with other things that are going on with with, with her life, um. You know I'm no good. It's just an absolute. It's probably my favourite song in the album. Absolutely, a, a cracking song. That the beat, the rhythm. It's so catchy. Yeah, you know she she's the one that's we're, we're, we're talking about Beyonce and infidelity, and in this song she's the one um, that's cheating. Yeah, and then she finds herself a wee bit kind of like, mm, you know, I'm cheating myself here because because our man. It's like, well, I'm not that, you know, I'm not so bothered, you know. He sees the carpet burn and, and he just shrugs. And she, she says, you shrug and it's the worst. Who truly stuck the knife in first, you know? So this is a kind of like, you know, I might think I'm out here having a good time, but actually this really hurts as well because he doesn't really care that much either. I just think it's all quite incredible stuff for such a young a girl to have written. Um, I mean, I mean, was- Mrs. 
mean Mrs. Mr. Jo Mrs. Jones, mean Mr. Jones, it just it starts off with that sort of characteristic 60s vein. And you know, she says, Nobody comes between me and my man. Yeah. And then suddenly she says, What kind of fuckery is this? <laughs> so, you know, you've got the, these profanities coming through this. You know, typical '60s style. The the music's almost waltzing while she's talking about um, that kind of thing, and she says, "You don't mean dick to me," you know. So there's this real filthy language going on as well, and and you're really not expecting it. So I think it's these contrasts that makes it such an interesting album for me. Um, does that song ultimately? Sorry. Does that song not have the line, "You're my favorite black Jew"? No, my second favorite black Jew. It's there's some odd yeah. lyrics. Yeah, yeah. There's there's some serious stuff going on in there, but um. So you're a I fan, just, yeah. Well, I'm a fan. fan. Yeah, I, I, I'm quite I'm right sorry, too. I kind of yeah. warbled on a bit because I think there's just so much I, I wanted to say about her and didn't really. Get it. I, I think it's I think it's the fact that you know she's. The, it really worked with between her and Mark Ronson mm. getting this kind of sound that she wanted, but then there's that kind of like American sound in music, yet this very British kind of, you know, self-deprecating humour going on in there as well, where she completely accepts, you know, her own flaws. And and ultimately, it's 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 tragic because you know, um, she does look at maybe moving forward, and she didn't really get to see that. Yeah, no, she didn't, because it was really? her second album, but obviously her, her sort of final album in, in sort of real time. Um, and probably became a lot more famous maybe after she, she wasn't she wasn't here anymore, which is a shame. But um, uh, okay, thanks, Lisa. So recorded London, Miami and New York, I think. So there was a sort of fair backstory to it. I liked about where she was demoing in London. And she used to take the demo tapes out of her dad's taxi. My dad would play them as he was driving around <laughs> London to get feedback from the people in the back of the cab to the songs and then they would take that back and they would mess about the demos again and stuff which I, which I really liked because um, she's very much part of that Camden sort of London scene. Okay um, George, back to black uh, As someone who is very close to that Camden London you scene absolutely. Uh, I've got uh, full disclosure here uh, my own experiences with Amy Winehouse or um uh, difficult, um, but I'll talk about the album first. Um, she was, I first seen Amy Winehouse, I think she did an album called Frank, mm -hmm. uh, a couple of years before, and she was all right. I, I quite liked the style, but it was, it felt quite, um, it didn't feel substantial enough. And then I saw her again. Uh, and I don't generally watch the Jules Holland show, but it was it was I was incapacitated at the time and a ruptured knee, assisting my knee ruptured, so I was like basically stuck at home and I couldn't do anything. And she was on the Jules Holland show. I think it may have been the New Year one, doing rehab, and uh, it blew me away. And I was like, I need to get this album. Um, and I was working and you know spending a lot of time in Camden Town at the time. Uh, People knew her, I knew people who knew her. Uh, so when I got the album, uh, I probably got it at the start of 2007. 
probably from that point on, I don't think I listened to another album as much for the rest of the year. I listened to it almost on a daily basis to the point where it was like I knew every note on it. It blew me away. Um, and why was that, George? What do you think? You took the, the quality of the writing, primarily the songs. Okay. The, the, you know me, I'm, I'm a pop man and songs are my yep. thing. If you can write good songs, I'll forgive almost anything. And she wrote a collection of some of the best songs that I've 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 seen in the twentieth century, twenty uh, first century. They're that good. Uh, you know, I don't want to pick up on too many of the songs in, in particular because you know you can get through them all. Rehab's just classic. Uh, you've got. Um, Sean Jones's uh, Dap Kings playing on that one. It's it's just a great 60s retro throwback. You know, I'm no good. You know, you've got Lisa mentioned there a minute ago, but the lyrics is what some of the the most it's, they're painful to 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 listen to at times. Um, there's the, you know what kind of fuckery is this on me and Mister Jones? It's it's just got so much swagger, and that's that's what she had. Uh, but then she she drops back to black, and it's it's that could have been done by the Crystals or the the, uh, the Shangri Las back in nineteen sixty three. It carries so much weight, and it made me it gave me goosebumps in two thousand seven, even more so later on. But the, yeah. the, the, you know you've got tears drying their own, which is basically a a, a note for note lift of. Ain't No Mountain High Enough by Marvin Gaye and Tammy Terrell. It's a straight lift. Yeah. She sings a new lyric and a new melody over the top of it. But the song... They, had, they ended up co-crediting, didn't they, with um, oh, Ash, Ashford Simpson? Yeah. Simpson, they, they yeah. have to be credited because it's... She didn't... You know, there was no intention to sort of hide it. This is her no. take on it. And it's a great vocal and a great melody, you know, on top of that music. But... The, the the killer song for me on the whole album is Love is a Losing Game. And anybody that says, uh, there's a couple of people on Twitter who were like, yeah, Amy Whitehouse, you know, she's only big, it's only the hype since she died. Yeah. Fuck, go fuck yourself, man. Seriously, <laughs> go take a fuck to yourself. Listen to that song and tell me that it's not a major talent. Singing and writing, that is fucking... Sammy Khan, Johnny Mercer would have killed to have written that. That's how good that is. That song but is devastating, isn't it's, it? I can't listen to it now. Absolutely I, I, devastating. I can't. So the album, when I listened to the album a couple of days ago, it's the first time I'd listened to the whole thing, probably since she died. And I saw her, I, I used to see her quite a lot at the station. So she, she's a middle-class girl who was like a superstar, but she hung about outside my station at night. Her and her pals would hang outside, outside a booty line on the Kentish Town Road beside the Camden Station. And my experiences with her were generally all right. She was no many, no much hassle to me, but to some of my colleagues, she could be a pain in the arse. Mm -hmm. uh, but I'd see her infrequently, and it's like, she was just part of the furniture at Camden Town. She just was there because she worked there, she lived there, she drank there, socialized. She was there all the time. At night time, you'd see her bopping about and stuff. But 
but two weeks before she died, I was standing at the bottom of the escalators at Camden Town directing traffic as part of my, my evening shift. And I heard this voice shout out, next Charing Cross train, mate. And I was like, platform two. And I, I, I turned around and it was her. And it was, she was where some fella she was when She was very, very frail. And she went, thanks, lava. That's mm. the last time I spoke to her. Two weeks she before. Was about two weeks before two she weeks. died. And, uh, wow. But she was, she, I, my experiences with her were generally pretty decent. She was all right. She was always, you knew what you were getting with her. Um, and, and I find it hard to listen to the album now because it, it was, you know, such an important album for me back in that summer of 2007, before my boy was born. I'd be overspending time with my daughters in Italy and uh, it was before Michael was born and I, I remember just, it was on my iPod. It was the album I played all the time and I, I just, I've got so much love for Amy Winehouse and for her music. This, for me, until Jack releases Goliath's debut album, I think this will remain uh, my favourite album of two th- uh, the 21st century. Interesting. Well, we'll bring Jack in. It was voted the Guardian Music Writers. They did a review last year of the century to date, and they voted it the album of the century. That's so far, it, it, which, it is um, for me. It's, I, can't, I can't think of a better album this century than that. Okay. Um, we've covered an awful lot on there. Uh, so, Jack, what would you want to add to that, mate? Um, I mean, there's there's a lot of covers. There's not too much to discuss apart from maybe my favourite track and just, uh, for example, the fact that rehab kind of outlines the very behaviour that led to, you know, what killed her in the end. It's it's a hard it's a hard listen because of that. As you listen to, oh, it's just it's a brutal track. Because yeah. it sounds so happy. Again, the it's the contrast, isn't it? It's the contrast. The lyrics. It's so make, joyous. <laughs> make you want to cry. It reminds me quite a lot of what Paul Heaton does with his lyrics yeah. and his music. Yeah. His music in general is very melodic. You know, it has a, has a lot of light in his music. It's very sort of happy most of the time. But of course, as soon as you hear his lyrics, he's... He's, you know, he's, he's scathing about many things and, and Amy mm. seems to be able to do that as well. She drags you in with the sound and then the lyrics are there to, to kill you, you know, so it's... What, what was think, your favourite song on it, Jack? Uh, before you before you do that, just touching on what you said, I think Rehab almost reminds me of um, Gilbert O'Sullivan's uh, In A Little While From Now. It Like, right. do you know that track? I don't know that one, no. You know, in a little while from now, when I'm not feeling any less sour, yeah, oh, right. I yeah, promise yeah. myself to yeah. treat I'll myself actually, yeah, and yeah, visit I'll me about it. Sorry, sorry. Everybody, but, everybody in. Come on. Yeah, that's a good But that, song, it sounds so cheery, and he's oh, talking about killing I himself. I can't listen to that song. I just can't listen to it. <laughs> it's it's oh. too painful. It is, oh, it's horrible. Well, but, thanks for um, getting Gilbert on the um, podcast, <laughs> Jack. That's fantastic. Yeah. Um. Anyway, my favourite track off this is he can only hold her because I think it's just such a painful, sorrowful song performed so beautifully. I mean, her voice fits it so well. The, the One of the first lyrics is he can only hold her for so long. The lights are on, but no one's home, which yeah. is presumably about one of her other partners trying to console her because obviously her, her main partner was pretty abusive and yeah, kind of led her down a path that maybe didn't go too well for her. 
it's just okay but it's you, a horrible you love album, the album yeah but it's I a guess. gorgeous album right okay cool okay I, I won't add much to that i mean i okay i'll just i'll be slightly controversial here right only because the twitter guys was probably i think it ended up 53 percent yes right but we actually probably had more comments about this one than pretty much any other I'm album and they, they were particularly hostile. I mean, we we had Easy Peasy on saying, you know, definitely a hundred percent, and we had other guys who have loved a lot of other stuff saying, yeah, I really like it. I just don't think it's you know one of the greatest albums ever. And I, I, I'm sure there are guys who have listened to it. It didn't feel as if they were sort of making passing comments. So there's obviously something in either a sound or maybe a image or whatever that maybe doesn't quite tick everyone's boxes. Because uh, I, I thought it was going to be a lot higher. Unfortunately, what people remember is the the tabloid coverage of mm. of her life, and people tend to remember that. Whereas, what we really need to be remembering is the music and her, you know, her genius as a, a lyricist. Yep. Also, yeah, what I the tabloids did to her was fucking brutal. Like, it was awful. Oh, they killed yeah. her, didn't they? Pretty much, you know, yeah. in, the, in their own way, you know. So people in a depressive spiral don't need more hatred. Nope, couldn't agree more, mate. And of course, the, the upshot of all that was she ended up in the 27 Club. She did indeed. Which we've talked about um, in, a, in previous podcasts. Um, yeah. I didn't realise, I don't know if this is strictly true, please correct me if it's not, but I read that um, me and Mr Jones was about Naz. Yeah. Rapper, yeah. Yeah. Um, Made me miss the Slick Rick gig. Yeah, exactly, yeah. Which I, I, I just does things I don't know all the Who's time. Who's playing Saturday? We got... Um, we had Naz on previous one, didn't we? Cool. Okay, I think uh, all of the guests, uh, everyone was a yes. I think no, Martin wasn't. No, Martin was. My apologies. Everybody was a yes on this one, uh, and was John. Um, yeah, I'd, I'd have it. to. I'd have to just excommunicate any friend of mine who didn't like <laughs> yeah. us. It's just I couldn't be friends with someone who didn't like us. I just couldn't. I, and I just to want to say no for a joke. Don't hang up, don't I, I used to think it was a little bit front-loaded, the album. If I'm being no. perfectly honest, I, 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 you know, get past tracks maybe six or so, and I always thought, I, th- I thought the rest of the album was fine, but I never quite stuck it out as much as maybe I do with other albums. But to be fair, having re-listened to it again in the last two, three weeks, it's it's kept me uneasily. Yeah. So yeah. they just probably just had to work at it a bit more. 35 minutes. Which is um, which is lovely. In and out. In and out, mate. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. One Grammys for it. So three and a half million. It's, it's awful. It just it's just it's one of the things that that saddens me most is her breakthrough albums also her final album. You know, it's yeah. it's just yeah, not fucking not, fair. But then, not fair, mate. Not fair at all. I did read that at our memorial service, um, the final song that the crowd all sang. Uh, was so far away, Carol King. Mm. Um, which I thought was, actually, oh, was quite emotional about. Yeah, I know. I, I got a bit emotional. Well, she used to she used to live around the corner, uh, off the uh, Camden Road on uh, was it Camden Square. I think she lived. She bought this big house in Camden Square after moving away from Holly Street. And uh, yeah. I was going up to a friend's place who lived not far from it uh, a couple of days after she died. And I thought I'm going to pop round, you know, just to see. You know, just sort of pay my respects. You know, just not as a ghoul or anything like that. Just as somebody who really loved her music, and I walked, turned on to Camden Square, and I was like, "Holy shit!" You couldn't move in the place. Right. 
for cameras and flowers and people. It was that was, you know, less than a week after she'd gone. It was, and even now, if I still go down there, it's still there's still flowers outside the house and there's still still uh, memorials to her. So she's still part of Camden's history and folklore, and she'll never that'll never change. Now she's she's in with the bricks in Camden. Well, I'm, I'm going to I'm sort of going to sort of nod yes on behalf of all of us there because I think um, it sounds yeah. as if we're absolutely feeling all of, um, and we'll, we'll kind of sign that one and put it in, which I think is well deserved. Um, and my PS to all that was that she, um, you know, I'm no good. Uh, the Arctic Monkeys do an absolutely wonderful cover of it, um, and I'm a big Arctic Monkeys fan. So um, mm-hmm. anyone that's kind of paid homage to that as well as um, is good enough for me. So, like I said, what's your opinion on the newest album from Arctic Monkeys? It's not my favourite. It's my least favourite. Yeah, it's not my favourite, <laughs> but um, maybe for another day, mate. But certainly there's others that are better, I think, for sure. Okay, got a couple to go. So Amy's in. Um, we're jumping back to 34 here. Uh, so we're going to do, I think it's the second one we've had from Stevie Wonder, Inner Visions. Okay, uh, so, quote, we as a people are not interested in baby baby songs anymore. There's more to life than that, Stevie Wonder said in 1972. Within our visions, Wonder offered a landmark fusion of social realism and spiritual idealism. He brings expressive colour and irresistible funk to his sin-based keyboards on Too High and Higher Ground, eh, both messages of tran- transcendence. The album's centrepiece is Living for the City, a cinematic depiction of exploitation and injustice. Quote, Inner Vision gives my own perspective on what's happening in the world, Wonder said. I think it's my most personal album. I don't care if it sells only five copies. So that was the review from Rolling Stone. It was released uh, 3rd of August, 1973. It's his 16th studio, uh, 16th studio album. It was 24 or something at the time. Um, oh, it was 2023. 20, <laughs> 20, how did you release that many albums? Because oh, he started, it was about 13. Did he? Yeah, Little Stevie. Yeah, yeah. Little absolutely. Stevie. Okay, so I'm going to do a, a kind of round of houses on this one because we've got no lead on this. So does anyone want to, to jump in with a... A take on inner visions, and we'll make this one fairly um fairly light and quick. Yeah, um, uh, it's it's one of the the albums. One of my it's probably a toss up between this and uh, songs of the key of life for my favourite Stevie Wonder album. Um, it starts off quite. It, it, it's you know a tricky one. It start it doesn't start off you know all guns blazing. So yeah. it just. You know, it winds you in and it, it drags you in. And by the time you get to the third track, Living for the City, it's like, all right, okay. And I don't think it was as well received as his previous albums. Wasn't? No. Uh, but that song itself, you know, that is one of the most scabrous, brutal lyrics he ever wrote. There's no holding back there. And it's, it's such a such a tune. I love it a bit. But the full version, you know, the, the, the cops sort of arresting or sticking them in the cell and stuff. Uh, it's very, very different from the single version, but uh, it's still probably one of the, 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 the singles of the 70s. Now you get into the, the second uh, side of the album with Higher mm. Ground is just one of the great grooves of all time. Mm. Uh, Jesus, Children of America, another great song as well, but it finishes with two absolute killer pop songs you know don't you worry about a thing is just that just transcends you know the 70s and beyond it's a song that people have been listening to 
and we'll continue listening to one of the great grooves again. And he's Mr. All it's just very knowing, very, you know, it's just it takes its time when it gets to that bit and he just he starts rolling. Bah, 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 bah. Yeah. It just it's you know there's a major talent at work here. Now a couple of days after he released it, he get almost wiped out in a car crash. Mm-hmm. Uh, there was a truck that was carrying logs or something, hit into, smashed into the car that went through his, through his head and his head was, was like... Was that straight? I read that. Yeah, he, he nearly died uh, just a couple of days after this. And uh, people just thought, that's him. Maybe Stevie will never get back, especially with the the damage that he had, he had big scars in his head and his brain was, was a coma for a while as well. So, uh, yeah, um, but he did come back and he came back with a vengeance. Um, and at the time, as I say, he was only 22, 23 tops. And he was. He's just one of the most talented fellas. And he played. He played all the instruments, didn't he? Everything on these, you know, mm-hmm. but using that, he was using that Tonto... <laughs> thing, which I, I still don't understand. But yeah, it was, I started reading about that and then thought, yeah, yeah. It's, well, very complicated. But it, the only, I think the only person he hired would be uh, electric bass players. So we only get electric bass players in and some female backing vocals, but the rest of the stuff's him. It's all him. I think he's got the. I think uh, David T. Walker plays electric guitar on it, who was like a go-to session guy in the 70s because he plays on What's Going On and yeah. uh, and a number of other things. Michael Cimbello played on this album. I, I think uh, he did, yeah. But there's not many Michael George Cimbello was He was yeah. one of his go-to guys. He definitely played a lot on uh, Songs in the Key of Life. But uh, yeah, big yeah. big album for me. And I, I'll go, I can go back to this time and time again. So, yeah. yes. so don't you worry about a thing, but you prefer the Incognito cover, right? No. <laughs> I, I like it it's a good cover but yeah but it's no no okay no. uh lisa jack what, what would you just want to add to to that on an versions um i i completely disagree with the last track I've, i i listened to the album a few times and of uh-huh. all the tracks in the in the album he's mr know-it-all i didn't love i've i've written down a wee a wee bit about it but i think I, I can't quite put my finger on why it didn't kind of hook me in as much. It uh something something about the particular melody or um song structure just didn't hook me in. I can't get that. But the track before it, of course, though I do agree. Um Don't You Worry About Everything starts with like an excellent groove that forms the backbeat for this for the track and the vocals in it are gorgeous, double tracked, smooth, lush. And uh, there's also a round at one point where he develops uh, a vocal part and then uh, repeats it and adds uh, adds the vocal and then a beat later repeats the same vocal part and it's, it creates this lovely part. And then just just in case you were getting bored, he adds a counter melody of Todo Stabi and Chevery. It's it's a great track. So much so much ear candy to keep you to keep you going. Yeah, I agree with that. So the the last track, Mister No Alls, apparently about Richard Nixon. Cool. <laughs> um, so back to uh, back to that kind of very light, fluffy. That is quite a bit, almost sort of um, middle of the road, almost the song, um, the tune and stuff. But the lyrics were, you know, pretty scathing. Yeah, if you really, if you boil yeah. into to what what seventy three or so Nixon, what he was doing that whole Watergate thing, and yeah, all the other stuff around that. His side two is quite different. Side one, side two is you know fairly cool. mellow in sound, but I, I think the, the the lyrics themselves are still pretty powerful straight through it. Um, Lisa, 
What, what else do you want to add on? I don't really think there's much I can add to, to all of that. Do you, do you like other, it? Sorry? Do you like it? Oh, yeah, the, other than to agree that, yeah, it's, it's a great album that I will always go back to. It's just such a great collection of songs, and, it, and it, I just find it incredible, you know, that <clears throat> he played almost everything on the album, with the production, it's his songs. And just a great album, quite incredible. Yeah, I, I would agree with that. I actually, I probably missed this one a little bit. I was quite late coming to Wonder. I might have mentioned that last time. And even when I did, I kind of moved past this one a little bit, which might be part of what George and Jack said, which is it's, it's not, it's, there's not a superstition on it. There's not, there's nothing like that that you just put it on. I, I think living for the city, higher grounds. Um, yeah. I think they are, George. I think they're yeah, as good. Absolute and don't you worry about a thing. I just, it just didn't grab me as quickly, maybe as one or two yeah. killer tracks in mm -hmm. the other albums. But you're right, I think the depth of the songs are, are, are unbelievable yeah. once you actually get into them. And he has sort of Streisand covering tracks off it, you know, and if Streisand's picking up your stuff and covering it, you're, you're doing it in real time. She, she released um, all, all, is love in, um, all in Love is Fair, sorry. She did that in 74, I think, and had a big hit with it. And, you know, I think that was the respect he was getting as a songwriter at that time. Yeah. Um, definitely um, had his chops on it. I think it's great. He, he won a Grammy for this, which was his second in a row after Talking Book. Um, There's a really nice quote because he actually ended up winning three Grammys in a row because he won one for Songs of Key Life as well. Yeah. But the quote's interesting because the way they were released, he, he, he didn't have a Grammy nomination in 70 six i think it was 75 i can't remember the gap year and then songs in key it life was 75 because songs of key life was 76. Uh, so he does say fullness um fulfillness and finale yes. and then it's songs oh, of key yeah. life but the guy who won it in the gap year was paul simon for uh still crazy after all these years i think yeah, yeah. and his acceptance speech was i'd just like to thank stevie wonder for not releasing an album this year <laughs> <laughs> Which <laughs> very good man Simon was a he was a bit of a songwriter, wasn't he? Um, yeah, so yeah. Really liked that. He, rec he recognised he recognised Stevie's talent. So he he did indeed. Um, cool. Also, okay. One one thing about go on, uh, Jack. One thing about Living for a City just before we go as well is it does take a while to build. But one thing I noticed that was odd about the track is that the primary um, balance around the track is the bass. It's the loudest thing in the track. Almost the whole way through, it's quite pulsing. It's, yeah, yeah. It's yeah. quite odd the fact that that's the loudest thing that you can hear. But it's it's a good part. It sounds really great and unique. Yeah, and it's back to that that kind of New York feel to it. It was almost like kind of buzzy atmospheric thing going on, isn't there? Um, yeah, I was transfixed by it. Forty four minutes long. The the highest Twitter poll we've ever had in ninety six percent. Wow. So it's only 4%, George, this time. Are fucking idiots. <laughs> <laughs> fucking idiots. But everyone um, who commented uh, in one or two side comments um, absolutely loved it. Just want to read a, a quick comment from one of our guests and then we can have a quick vote. So um, David said, it was quite interesting, this one. Stevie Wonder, he said, early 80s, I started going out with this posh girl. She played tennis and went to a private school. I lived in uh, Onthank and was basically a scumbag. Anyway, she eventually <laughs> came round to mine in my bedroom. Turns her nose up at my Ramones jam clash records. She brought two of her own, journey through the inner, journey through the life of plants and inner visions. Yeah. Put these on, she commands. I read the sleeve notes on the back of one of them. 
some wanky pseudo religious bollocks about one plus one equals the shining light of the heavenly creator <laughs> or something. I didn't play it. The relationship was dead before it even got going, but I was too good for her. Anyway, the Stevies got slung like they were discs in a pigeon shoot. <laughs> and I still never listened to either of them. So no to Stevie Wonder, even if that's sacrilege. What the fuck? David, what, David, what David. What did you mean by Ask Lisa? About uh, On Thanks. On Thank. On Thank. Yeah. Because I was going to say, so I was brought up just over the scheme in New Farm Loch. Okay. And my mother did her Lisa, thing. you were never brought up in a scheme. Let's be honest. Come on. You were not brought up in a scheme. I've, listen, I, let, I moved to Partick when I was four. Yeah, exactly. All right. That's, 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 that's those formative kind of, years that you had, right? wasn't what it is now. <laughs> yeah, but you still had falafel, right? Come on, let's be honest. <laughs> you, you joking? Could take, I couldn't even pronounce falafel at 30. <laughs> could take the girl out of the show, right? Um, okay, cool. So uh, we had no from David. We had a no from Chris. We had oh, a... Oh, really? Yeah. Just so a nose? Yeah, a no. Um <sighs> Martin wasn't sure about it, so he he sort of he sat in the middle. Um, Skin was in um, for sure. John was in, loved it as well. Yeah. So, but a couple there that that you know I'm jumping up and down about it, but um, but I'd say probably fifty fifty from the other guys. Okay, so who started, George? Yeah, hundred percent in. We're in, mate. Jack. Now have, I'm having words with David Ross. I know. I thought I thought you'd like that. Um, uh, Jack. I'm in. Yeah. You're in. Cheers, mate. Thank you, Lisa. Um, uh, it has to be in. Yeah, I'm, I'm going to put it in. Uh, so when we started this and I saw the ones on the list, I actually prefer Talking Book. But I haven't listened mm-hmm. to this over the last three, four you weeks again. I probably do, if I'm being honest. So I'll probably change my yeah. mind when if, we've got one more on the list to come. So it's Songs yeah. in the Key of Life. Songs in the Key of Life. <laughs> do you know, have PSD, all, all that Spoiler stuff. Spoiler alert. Spoiler alert. Yeah, and it's pretty high up as well. Um, yeah, it will be. So, and a wee yeah. bit of time spare time this week and it was, I think it was Tuesday I think the rain wasn't so good Monday and I actually sat and watched <laughs> yeah. them well you know what it's like in Everclyde um, and I sat and watched the Glastonbury gig that he did in 2010 it's on YouTube um, yeah. I, I'm not sure I watched a bit of it at the time but you know back in sat it's like 90 minutes or whatever oh, it's brilliant I don't, I'm not always a fan of it he, he obviously extends out some of the, the songs and stuff but you know it's yeah. fantastic when he does it but I'm not always a fan when he kicks it too much but but the song selections are brilliant. He does, I think, he does three off this record, and he does an amazing cover. We can work it out. And oh, is, that was a great cover. Yeah, it was one of the best cover. covers for sure. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. So anyway, if you get if you if it rains in the the winter and you want to watch something, I wouldn't put you off. It's brilliant. Okay, so we are going to finish on a high tonight. This is going to take us to a new level. <laughs> <laughs> if there's any nose on this, I'm going to be very, very, very surprised. So, Jack, we've had a bit of an issue with jazz. What, um, do, you, what do you mean? Um, and I'm speaking for the guys on the, the, the podcast tonight, but also one or two of our compadres who are missing. We haven't quite managed to get it yet. But, uh, um, and George is shaking his head already. You'll get every chance, no, Mr. Mr. Patterson. No, because you know, you know I'm a jazz man. I like my jazz. We so didn't get Bitches Brew. Managed to vote out Bitches Brew. We managed bitches to vote brew. out... Is being more difficult though. That, I found that if, really hard. If Bitches Brew is like yeah. the Aphex Twin to this, like um, Fred again. This is this is trying to be jazzy, but still catering to the pop senses almost. 
Love that. Bet- Betches Love Brew that. is very, very out there. You and need to know accessible. your jazz, I think, to really get into that. You've got, your, you've got your soulmate, George. We stood Jack on six yeah, months ago, Jack. High five, Jack. <laughs> <laughs> Don't leave me hanging, man. Betches Brew is tough, but we also voted out a Love Supreme. By the way, so yeah, I know. I, which I, I, I think I'm one or two sleepless nights about that, but um, Mr. Welsh <laughs> hasn't to be fair, uh, right? Okay, so the last one tonight is 31, uh, Miles Davis, kind of blue. Uh, so this painterly masterpiece is one of the most important, influential, and popular albums in jazz. At the time it was made, kind of blue was also a revolution all of its own, turning his back on standard chord progressions. Trumpeter Miles Davis used modal scales as a starting point for composition and improvisation, breaking new ground with warm, subtlety and understatement in the thick of hard bop. Davis and his peerless band, bassist Paul Chambers, drummer Jimmy Cobb, pianist Bill Evans and the Titanic sax team of John Coltrane and Cannonball Adderley, soloed in uncluttered settings typified by melodic rather than harmonic variation, as Davis put it. Two numbers, all blues and Freddie Freeloader, are in 12-bar form, but Davis' approach, sorry, but Davis's approach allowed his players a cool new collective freedom. So that's the last one for tonight. Um, kind of Blue, Miles Davis, released 17th of August, 1959. George, help us to get Miles Davis on the list well, here. Come on. You know, with any luck, you'll have Miles Davis and John Coltrane finally in the the, the Hall of Fame. Cause of course. <sighs> It was hard because listening to Bitches Brew, if you listen to Bitches Brew uh, in isolation, you, you would, and you thought, that's Miles Davis. Uh, honestly, I think that would put a lot of people off the sound of Miles Davis, but it's hard to dis, uh, distill an entire career into one single album. But if you want to know what Miles Davis, the, the feel of Miles Davis, and that sort of pure horn sound that he had, this is where you would start, or I'd suggest you would start here. You know, it's it's that sound. It's, it's the sound of Miles Davis's horn, and his uh, his you know his collaborators here, John Coltrane and Julian Cannonball Adderley and Bill Great Evans name. and Jimmy Cotter. Yes, yeah, phenomenal <laughs> player. But each of those guys was virtuoso in their own right. And it gave him the space to deliver something that was a step away from the bebop, a Charlie Parker, somewhere just south of cool jazz. And it's, it's no an exaggeration to say it's probably one of the most important jazz records ever made, even though Davis himself sort of turned his nose up at it yeah. uh, later on. Uh, but you've got great, great tracks in there. So what? opens up the album and that's just like jazz standard uh is it blues and green i think uh, yeah and uh, all that. blues as well they, those are just i can go back and listen to them time and time again it's um the sound of Miles davis and john coltrane for that uh, matter it's, it's like it's instantly recognizable to me as like a hendrix solo as soon as they start playing i know it's them and uh I really, really love these compositions and it's the kind of music that I used to listen to years ago and didn't really understand. I used to listen to it think, yeah, this is what I should be listening to in coffee shops and fr- wet Friday afternoons. It's only later on that I, I really get into it and appreciated that and coffee for uh, 
what it was really worth. But yeah, I love this. This is a great album. Uh, and I would urge anyone not to start at Bitches Brew. Please start at Kind of Blue. Okay. Then go sketch the Spain after that. Yeah. Uh, um, so he'd done 30-odd studio albums by the time this came out. Yeah. Because he'd been around, hadn't he? He played with some of the greats, of course. Yeah, yeah. He yeah. his time, right? Um, he was. He was a proper hard bebopper back yeah, in the day. But this, this is where this sort of cool, uh, this cool jazz, late yeah. 50s, perfect. Birth of the cool stuff, yeah. Okay, perfect. A couple of things to add to that, but um, we'll, we'll, we'll get around to the rest of the guys. Um, Jack, you sound as if you're going to have some trouble with us if we don't vote it in, so tell us why, mate. Well, this is an album that I, I think I first listened to when I was like 10 years of ten years of age. And I mean, obviously... Which is only I, 10 years ago, to be fair, Jack. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I don't know why I felt, I feel like that was like five years ago. I don't think, I don't think I quite have a grasp on time yet. But yeah, um, so I think, you know, when I listened to it then, I obviously didn't appreciate it because I, I was a Wayne, but... You know, it, as I listened to it more and more as I grew up, I, I slowly started to appreciate the rhythm, the, the percussion, the particular way the melody built. And I think it has some of my favourite tracks on it. Well, I say I'm a favourite track. My favourite track on it is Freddie Freeloader. Oh, uh, Freddie Freeloader, which I feel like is a track that gets overlooked a lot. I just, yeah. I like the particular way it meanders and it, it go, slowly goes through this gorgeous melody. It's it, it's not an album to be overlooked, absolutely. It totally gets that sound down to a T. I mean, all the, all the instrumentation on it is gorgeous. It's... See, I think Freddie Freeloader's the only one that Bill Evans didn't play on. Mm. I think it's the only track he didn't That's play right. on. There was the other pianist yeah. played on that one. Yeah, who I used to play with him. He used to play with him. Evans came in and then he brought him back in for this song. And I think he also played a bit live with him as well at the right. time. Um, Sorry, Jack. Yep. Yeah, that's right, mate. That's right. And and other jazz stuff, Jack. Would you, you know, would you be listening to other great jazz records? Is that a thing or? I, I don't listen to enough no. jazz. I do right. need to move on to jazz properly. I listen to a lot of stuff that's around jazz and takes inspiration from it, but I don't listen to enough direct jazz. Okay, no bother. Um, so yes, a couple of things. It it um it done these albums. This is his classy lineup. Um, recorded in 30th Street Studio in New York. Uh, I think two sessions, I think, that they've done. Nine-hour um, studio time. Nine-hour studio time, Lisa. Thank you. Incredible. And, <laughs> and, um, no messing about, for sure. And also the same studio that they recorded West Side Story in. Right about the same kind of time, yeah. Yeah, and, and, and more interestingly, George, uh, a large part of The Wall, Pink Floyd. Really? Yeah. Okay. Uh, not long before it shut down, so... Um, so that probably you... did it. <laughs> absolutely. <laughs> yeah, and uh, a couple of you know guys absolutely lo loving them. So back to us, not loving jazz per se, but you know some of the quotes. If you read up on this at all, there's like a, a who's who of people saying how how great and influential, and not all just jazz guys, just just people who who absolutely love it. I, I loved one from Quincy Jones. I think he said. Quincy John said, I, I play this every day. It's my orange juice. Okay. 
So I don't and think, I think no, it doesn't mean be, Edwin Collins. I was, I was about to say, nobody be confused with the band Orange Juice. No, no, no. And happy birthday to Mr. <laughs> Collins, of course. Yeah, happy birthday, Edwin Collins today. Yeah. Absolutely. Just, as That's a aside. weird coincidence. I know. Couldn't make it up. And um, Q-Tip, a fairly well-renowned um, rapper, yeah. said it's like the Bible in America. You have to have one in every house, a copy, copy of the album. Yeah. So I think yeah. it, it just it does transcend... Whatever it is, it, it, it's just got a sting yeah. in it that seems to just touch everyone. It is unique. Uh, it's a bit. Lisa, is Mount, is Kind of Blue unique for you? Well, it's unique because <laughs> I don't normally listen to jazz. <laughs> okay. But if I'm honest, I've I, I really enjoyed listening to it. I did listen to it at the time we were um, reviewing Bitches Brew. Bitches Brew. Bitches Brew? Bitches Brew. Bitches Brew. Yeah. And because I, I just was like frustrated with myself. I thought, why can't I get that? This is really, really discordant and I, I don't understand it. So I thought, right, I need to go back. And I listened to that and I remember thinking, oh, good, that's coming up soon. So I really enjoyed that. Um, it's amazing that it, it was recorded in what, nine hours of studio time. Um, but I think it's just that the, the musicians that uh, play with them are just so such I don't know they're just so consummate that he gave them chords and the and just allowed am I, am I right here he just allowed them to improvise yeah yeah, yeah absolutely and, they give them a and, like a frame of what he was yeah, he thinking the for and then the they fill fill the and book just, yeah. and just said right let's do it and I think for that reason that's why because they're so good the music just flows and I know um, jazz aficionados would say oh no it's not just easy easy listening because it's not but obviously they see things in it that I don't but for somebody that's quite new to it I found it incredibly easy listening and I think a very good introduction to jazz Hmm. Um, that's what I've been saying Lisa I've been saying this for so long and nobody's listening to me Yes. Jesus. <laughs> I always listen to you, George. We always listen to George. We just don't always agree, that's all. <laughs> you know, the, the first yeah. track, that really sumptuous bass. So what? Yeah, so what? And, and, and a bit of subtle mm-hmm. piano leading yeah. up to his, his solo. I mean, it's just wonderful stuff. And I think it just draws you right in. And, you know... It, I love having it round about me. You know, I've I've been listening to that quite a lot this week. So that's my yeah. take on it. Yeah, me too. I'm I'm, I'm no way a jazz aficionado at all. I I kind of I, I wish a little bit that we maybe, I think it absolutely deserves. I know we we'll do a vote, but I can see why it's so high up in the list. But um, I wish we t- had it earlier on the list to make us listen to this and I then go back to more, yeah. Bitches Brew and Love Supreme. And yeah, is my take on it really. I'm sure if it was all the way around, we might have voted one or two others into the list um but we didn't and it still uh, feels it still feels very fresh yeah yeah agree love that blue and green uh, uh absolutely yeah. wonderful i know they're not all songs per se but you know as pieces of music but blue yeah. and green's wonderful something about it's great um this is this was surprisingly very popular on um twitter i wasn't too sure how the guys would pick this one up but um 83 percent more we're, we're big thumbing up on this one. Um, Nick at Nick Portnell said um, this one in a silent way and bitches brew should all be in the top hundred. And I know nothing about jazz. 
So um, next few boys. You must know more than me. (laughs) But these are guys I think are much more, a bit more sort of rock and pop um, fans generally. And uh, they're all still sort of crashing into the the top 100, um, which is fantastic. Uh, A couple of other things I picked up. Yeah, so yeah, he had this heroin addiction, didn't he, off and on, and um, didn't he beat really it off it. Yeah, he beat it eventually, but um, at this point, it was, you know, it was uh, it was kind of touch and go for a while, which again is amazing that he managed to produce something like this mm-hmm. at this time. Played the Isle of Wight Festival in 1970. Well, the famous Isle of Wight Festival, yeah, one it, of the greatest concerts of all time. Yeah, six hundred thousand people and all that. Um, which, um, yeah, but of course, Bitches Brew took him into that whole psychedelic yep. um, jazz yep. thing and all that, didn't it? Which was um, which is fantastic. And I'm pretty sure I read that Ron Carter also plays with him, Ooh. who was on the Tribe Called Quest yep. Yep. record, if you remember. And yep. I really liked that right. connection. Couple of weeks ago, yeah. Fantastic. Um, cool. The guys were, uh, the, uh, Martin didn't know it. Uh, everyone else was a yes. I know. How do you not know? <laughs> kind of well, he's work. too busy being good by Mr. McKenzie and yeah, healthy tongues, healthy tongues, right? yeah, 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 all the cracking stuff. But yeah. you know, he said, "No, I'm aware of it, but I, I don't want to vote on it. It's, it's unfair." No, I think it's fair. Some of the guys are parking some of their votes now, if if they're neither yes or not, which which I think is, is fair. I think so. Uh, the other guys were all yes, including Mr. Welsh. And the reason I mention that is, it's the first podcast that John had a full house of every album. Um, which he really? was quite surprised at, yeah. So, okay, uh, right. Let's try and see if we can we can get a full house here. So, George, double double thumbs, double Jack, thumbs up for me, mate. Jack, double thumbs. Ah, go on, Lisa. Oh, should, should we just put some down just to just to ruin it? I know, I know. I, I that that is everyone and who has actually voted on that is your yes. Wow. So, um, we're long overdue, I think, and maybe we'll get some more listeners back. All the jazz guys that have all, all patched us over the last day. So, have months. we made a, have we got a grand slam today? Have we got the absolute so for the slam? first time? What are we now? Ever. Was that 35 to 30? Was that? And we have, um, yeah. we have voted in five for five, which must be Jack's influence, I think. It must be, yeah. Uh, yeah, I mean, we should have got you on before, Jack. Um, don't know what I've done without you. My only other PS to that before we, we do a wrap up is that. And again, if I knew this, I totally missed it. Was that um, he plays the trumpet on Opati by Scritti Politi? Scritti Politi, oh, okay. Ooh. I, I genuinely had no idea about that. No, I didn't um, know that. Either. So, yeah. But his wife, was... something as well about Miles Davis. If if his wife was a woman called Betty Davis, and she was. But not the Betty Davis. No. no. Betty Davis, the, the funk singer. Jeez, yeah. check her out. She is phenomenal, man. Yeah. She got a song called uh, Anti Love Song. After this show, go and listen to Anti Love Song by Betty Davis. It's incredible. She was a superstar in her own right, and then she just disappeared. Yeah. She just yeah. died recently as well, but she was oh, massive. I love Betty Davis. Stuart um, Cosgrove's a big fan. Betty Davis. I know, I know. Yeah, I, I, he, he calls her out. Um, so I'll, I've scribbled that one down. I'll get it back in my playlist, mate. So thank you very much. Cool. So I don't need to summarise those because for the first time, uh, we have a full house and they're not uh, all no's either. They're all yeses. So maybe we should just quit now um, and not, <laughs> not do any more. Or keep John off the podcast. Maybe that's a... No, we need his jerseys back. Need Sharpish. Him. Needs his jerseys back. Okay, so we've done five. Um, 
Great fun as always. Uh, one of the things that we've still got to do is all our guests get to nominate an album for us to consider when we get to the end of the current list to see if we want to add that one on. So Jack, I know you've been giving us some deliberation, mate. So which album are you going to nominate, please? So I'm going to give you the uh, album from the band Black Country New Road, Ants From Up There, which is the last album that their main singer uh, sang on before he left. Ants because? From because? Up, uh, uh, mental health issues. He left no. to work on himself. And why have you nominated the album? What's, what makes you love it so much? Um, it's It takes a lot of influence from jazz sources, from uh, contemporary sources. A lot of the members of the band uh, were from like a, a kind of conservatoire background, you know, like classically trained. I think actually one of, them's, uh, one of them is from conservatoire because they're also in the band Jockstrap, if you know Jockstrap. Okay. Oh, they're very good. Um, anyway, yeah, so this this album has a bit of everything in it it's got yeah. some pop it's got some jazz it's got um kind of almost classical the way it builds and it crescendos it's a bit proggy i, I think isn't it in places but proggy. in some in some places proggy but i, I think I'll, I'll like that george if you if you don't <laughs> if you don't read it in to top 100 i, I might cry so um my son will love you for nominating that jack he oh, loves, does, he, does he like BC He and loves Black Country, you know, absolutely loves them right up there. So that's possibly my favorite album of all time. Like I, I, before that, it was Rebel, not Rebellion, like sorry, Funeral by Arcade Fire, but this took over. And was that the one that you were swaying over, Funeral? It was, it was okay. Funeral. But okay. I thought also you've, you'll probably all have heard Funeral by Arcade Fire. We have, it's a fine album. But um, lovely Blank Country New Road, that's brilliant. We'll put it on the list. It adds to that eclectic guests list of nominations we've had, which is fantastic. So I'm sure we'll all get, um, get our ears around those over the next few weeks. Cool. Uh, so the next five then for our next episode, because we are getting down to the sharp end, uh, top 30 now. The tickly bit. The tickly bit, indeed. Have you so done we... To Pippa Butterfly yet? We haven't, no. Um, it's. I think it comes up further down the list, Jack. Um, yeah, because it is it, one of the best albums of all time. We might squeeze you back on, mate, for a, a drop-in appearance. Uh, if, I'd uh, be happy to be on for that episode, you, certainly. You can just come on for the one album and go again, right? Um, <laughs> okay, so the next five Jack are... has to come back on. Jack has to come back on when he records his own album, because that will no doubt be in 20 years' time when we revisit this. Yeah. We'll all be even older than we are at the moment, and Jack will have <laughs> released a couple of albums, and one of his debut album will be on this. As well, listen, Jack. One of the things I know you're aspiring to do more live shows and stuff. Um, yeah, and one of the things we're going to do somewhere down the line is a greatest live albums list. Okay. So, if you can hurry up with that, we'll, we'll try and, <laughs> get, get, <laughs> um, try and get I, you on it, right? I do have um, I do have a show in December 2nd, uh, supporting the BMX bandits, actually. Oh, oh, what a combo! Yeah, are you going to do your cover of um, series drugs or? I think I might. I, yeah, be I, a think, good song, I, do. I think Douglas. Where, like where's that. this taking place, Jack? It's the Hug and Pint in Glasgow. Oh, Hug and Pint in Glasgow. I think we'll have to make that a Christmas night out. <laughs> yeah, love the Hug and Pint as well. Perfect, brilliant. Thanks, mate. Um, so the next five we have to review are uh, Jimi Hendrix. Are you experienced? Uh, the Beatles, White Album, Stroke the Beatles, um, the Wu Tang Clan. Enter the Wu-Tang, 36 Chambers. Oh. Uh, exactly. Uh, D'Angelo, Voodoo, 
Ooh. and Patty Smith horses. Ooh. Okay, so that's the next five as ever eclectic um, is, is the word that springs to mind. <sighs> Guys, have we um, have we missed anything off for tonight? Are we are we good with that? Five for five. Delighted. Fantastic. Oh, good. Me too. Um, Jack, again, can't thank you enough, mate. Absolutely brilliant to see you. Good luck with all the stuff that you're doing. Uh, hopefully, we'll see you in, in December at the gig. Thanking you, um, Lisa. Thanks for crashing your pre-holiday preparation and um, have a brilliant holiday. And guys, we'll um, run off and pack a case very I quickly. Know, feeling very guilty. Have a brilliant time, and guys, we'll um, we'll all catch up very soon. Stay, stay safe till next time. All the best. Take care. Thanks all.